powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gamer Winnipeg. My name is Liz. I am one of your regular hosts, and I am all by my lonesome today. After about a two-week gap, I came back briefly to chat with Rachel early last week in that loss against the San Jose Sharks. But I've been away for a couple weeks. I spent a couple weeks in Montreal with school, which was very exciting for me, and I am back. And as you can probably tell by my voice, I am a little bit under the weather, so don't expect today to be crazy long of an episode, just because... I think that if I try and talk for 40 minutes about the Winnipeg Jets top six, I would probably put myself into a coma. Um, so today we are here to break down a 5-3 loss against the Carolina Hurricanes, who are coming off of two blowout losses um, in their last couple of games. So we were expecting a pretty crazy pretty intense game against them tonight and I think we got what the doctor ordered for that one in that capacity I think there was a lot of excitement in this game uh, before we get too deep into the specifics of the game itself can we just talk a little bit about that building um, I don't know about you guys but I could tell more than many other games that I think I've watched in the recent past that building was extremely energetic tonight and the crowd was really into it obviously they got really into it early on um, after that whole thing with the Dylan Sandberg hit, the Dylan DeMello goal that we'll talk a little bit about further into the show, but the refuse suck chant was so loud and the team was just so, or pardon me, the crowd was just so excited and so into everything that was going on, which was super exciting and I love that about hockey and I think that, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about the game, but who would I be if not going off on a bunch of tangents about the most absurd things in the world? Um, if teams like the Arizona Coyotes and even some of the other teams that have, you know, lower fan or fan attendance and not so great of stuff going on with their fan engagement, look at the Carolina Hurricanes. That team has had some crazy improvement in their fan base in the last couple of years obviously having a good hockey team helps with everything but man oh man they become a really fun team to watch and their fans are super engaged and super involved in everything and if if the goal of watching tonight's game was to make me a Carolina Hurricanes fan honestly I think it worked it, it was a lot of fun um to watch the Carolina Hurricanes are a really interesting team and we'll talk a little bit about them uh, as we go through the show uh, but before we do that you want to bet then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Or if you're in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code that's at the bottom of my screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. And if you believe that you have any kind of issue when it comes to sports betting or gambling in general, please find the appropriate resources to seek help because you are not alone and there are resources out there to help you. So as you can see, once again, I'm all by myself tonight. So if you're in the chat and you have some thoughts on this game, I already see a lot of people uh, in the chat have some particular thoughts that they're here to share about this team and about some of their players please do so i'd love to hear from you and hear what you have to say um and it's it's awesome to see so many people here in the chat uh sharing their thoughts in the game early on so um i want to talk a little bit about some of the things outside of the specifics of in-game play right now and i want to start by talking a little bit about benching as a whole so uh in the second period i believe uh the particularly the Mark Shifley, Cal Connor, and Nino Niederreiter um, line was benched at 5-on-5 five five play for a little bit. And obviously we saw that uh, Nate Schmidt with, was healthy scratched a few games ago. And we know that Dylan Sandberg has had some healthy scratches as well. And uh, 
Nikolai Ehlers has had some short benches as well and things like that. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about benching because I think that um, I believe here I'll pull up. I got chat on my phone today and we can see um, Noah says he thinks it's time to scratch Pionk and Wheeler. Um, I think benching is something that is a little bit more foreign to this team when it comes to their star players under the Paul Maurice regime. It isn't something I don't think that um, most of us as fans are super familiar with and are super even comfortable with the concept of it just because it's very foreign to us. But I think that um, Nate Schmidt has looked really good since coming back from being stretched. And I think that um, I don't think Kyle Connor looked much better at all tonight after being benched, but I think Nino Niederreiter looked uh, pretty good throughout the course of the evening, even when he got switched to a different line. I think Mark Shafley looked a little bit better later on and stuff like that, and I'm a big fan of benching, and I think that some of the players in this team need a little bit of a wake-up call, um, and Noah says that his picks are Pionk and Wheeler. My pick is Kyle Connor. I struggled with Kyle Connor's game tonight, and I've been struggling with him as of late. I think Mark Shifley and Cal Connor are really interesting and unique players because when the team is firing in all cylinders, when the team is excited, when the team is pushing, when they're really, really, you know, in a good position, those guys are impossible to stop. They're exciting to watch. They're able to put bucks in the back of the net in any situation. It's very exciting, but as of late, that hasn't really been the style of hockey that the Winnipeg Jets have been playing, and it's showing, in my opinion, in those two players and the way that they've been executing lately. Um, they haven't been generating a ton. They're not, they don't look excited. They don't look thrilled, and I think Cal Connor in particular just doesn't look overly engaged, and I I don't know what's up, but his effectiveness is so limited when the team isn't dominant. And maybe that's a crazy thing to say because every team or every player, pardon me, should be effective when their team is dominant because that's what it means to be a dominant team. But I just find that that motivation and that energy and that momentum just doesn't come from him. I think that he's able to capitalize and contribute when that momentum already exists, but he's just not generating any of that. And I need that from him if they're going to continue to play him on that first line at 5-on-5, five five, there needs to be more generation there, and I'm really struggling with it lately, and I think that, um, you know, short or running a shorter bench tonight and having him sit for a little bit was probably a good thing, and I think more that needs to happen because I- I'm struggling with him as a player right now, and I think... Um, you know, Noah said Neil Pionk and Wheeler, and it was so funny. I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier today because Neil Pionk, <laughs> we were talking about him, and we're like... He's such an interesting case because someone like Kyle Connor, I want a bench because I'm like you're giving me nothing right now. And Neil Pionk isn't giving nothing. If you're watching him, he's he's trying. Like he's out there and he's he's working hard and he's doing what he should be doing, but he's just messing up a lot. Like I don't know if that's better or worse. Like it's not like they need to go like fire him up or anything like that because he's contributing and he's doing but it's just the wrong kind of stuff so it's it's I think benching and scratching is very effective when you don't think that you're getting the most out of a player and that they're not overly engaged or anything like that but that's not what I'm seeing from Neil Pionk I think he's just not very good um Brandon in the chat says GG Jets uh you guys made me nervous for a while and I fully agree with that I'm assuming Brandon here is a Canes fan he says that uh Carolina shows up for games and is really loud in there I love that that's exciting and I can't wait to see that barn in the playoffs I think it'll be pretty cool um but I think that Carolina Hurricanes fans should have been a little bit scared tonight and the Winnipeg Jets honestly not to to blame David Riddick and I think uh, Mountain Boy Oakley early on in the chat before we even started said David Riddick is really bad Uh, I love the hot take from that because I think tonight was a little bit of a struggle from him the Winnipeg Jets are right in it till the end they're 
The Winnipeg Jets being right in it till the end against a team like Carolina is really important to me because we know that Carolina is notorious for being a very... People talk, they're like, oh, they're an analytics team, they're this, that, whatever team. They're not a team that has a ton of superstars. They're a team that has a lot of good players who play good hockey. So if you can fight tooth and nail till the end of a hockey game against a team that plays really good hockey, that's really encouraging to me, and I, I'm happy to see that from my team. Um, so we definitely gave them a little bit of a run for our money on the Jets side of things tonight, um, but there was a lot that was still within their control that I think the Jets could have done a better job doing. Um, but before we talk a little bit about that, I want to um, read what Noah says he always in the chat with the postgame quotes. Um, and I guess Ehlers got asked about Mark Shifley's line getting benched. Um, and Euler said, those guys have been very important in turning it around the last couple games. I'm not worried. Shit happens. Interesting, because I, okay, once again, I've been away for a couple weeks, so I haven't watched the specifics to, you know, to the degree that I watched tonight uh, in a little bit of time, but has Kyle Connor been responsible for turning around a lot of plays at five on five? I don't know about that. That's interesting. And I think knowing the kinds of players that are on that team that's, or on that line, pardon me, like, I think that's a very valid thing to say. They have the ability to. I just don't know if it's been really coming to fruition in the last little bit. Um, Red Flame says, I'm sorry, but Riddick needs to have that second and third goal. Those cannot go in on any under any circumstances. Also, Wheeler and Pionk need to be scratched next game. Too many mistakes. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about some of those, those players. Um, so, obviously, Dave Riddick, I... I don't love um, those goals that he let in early on. Like, I think it, it's hard. I don't like blaming goalies, but I think in certain situations, like he said, under no circumstance, that, that shouldn't go in. Like, you need to be able to push the players out and give your goalie the easiest save possible. And I think the Winnipeg Jets did an okay job of that throughout most of the evening. And sometimes your goalie does need to stop pucks. And in a couple of those situations, right, especially against a team that works as hard as the Carolina Hurricanes do, um, the Winnipeg Jets need to work just as hard in order to keep that momentum up. And I think they did a decent job of that. Um, but one goal at the wrong time can can wreck a lot of stuff. And I think that there were a couple of those situations where you really would have liked Dave Riddick to have some better rebound control and some better positioning to, to make those saves that he needed to make at those times. So... I understand the frustration with Jets fans and obviously Connor Hallebuck is our guy and he's definitely um, been pretty good as of late. I know people kind of were struggling with him a little bit at some points during the season, which I think is always fair and justified if a player's not playing to their full capacity. Um, But your backup goalie just needs to stop basic goals and I don't even feel that that was the case tonight, which is why I I too struggle with Dave Riddick. And I I think, um, you know, if... Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley's line scores to the degree that we know they're able to score. Those mistakes wouldn't have been as apparent from Dave Riddick, but sometimes players have off nights and sometimes players or lines have off nights. And so you need to be able to stop those and you need to be able to keep your team in things a little bit more. That's kind of a goalie's job is those high risk situations where your team is just relying on you. So it's, it's really difficult. Um, and I don't want to single him out as an individual, but lucky for him, I'm going to single out a lot of other people too. So, um, I think um, Blake Wheeler is just an interesting player. We can talk a little bit about the specific pass that he makes on Nikolai Ehlers goal. It's a beautiful pass. Um, that pass gets blocked eight out of ten times that Blake Wheeler tries to make that pass as of late. So that's why I wasn't like, obviously it's a nice pass and you want to, you know, congratulate players when they make those nice plays. It was definitely a nice pass to make at that time. And that goal was very much needed, of course. But that's 
kind of what's been my frustration with Blake Wheeler as of late is those passes. He's been creating a little bit more um, in that negative category of some of those turnovers and, and things like that. So I think um, making those really sharp seam passes that he used to be so fantastic at hasn't just just hasn't been his particular area of relative strength lately, in my opinion. So I think that... Um, that's part of the reason I've been struggling him is a lot of the mistakes that he makes are, are a play that you know he wants to make and you know that he thinks he can make, but it's just not the play to make at that time because it's not going to work. And we see it on the power play with him a lot where um, he, he sees a seam that you know would make for a really nice pass, but sometimes it just isn't there and you can't force it, especially against teams like the Carolina Hurricanes who jump on pucks so well. Um so I think that that was something that was kind of put on display tonight was the the kinds of mistakes that Blake Wheeler has been making um, were a little bit more evident because it's a team that's so much better at puck retrieval and, and jumping on those loose ones to create really positive possession early on as opposed to fumbling around with it and then generating something. They're quite sharp and quick with those early pucks, uh, in my opinion. So I think that that was something that uh, looked a little bit more apparent tonight. And as the Winnipeg Jets continue throughout the rest of the season and, you know, hopefully, Frick, into, into postseason, of course, you're going to have more of those teams teams who are better at all those kinds of things because the stakes are higher and and teams are getting better in those areas so I think that if you have a player that's making those kinds of mistakes and there you can't just wash it away and be like oh it's because they're playing against a really strong team you need to be prepared to play against really strong teams so I think that um that's definitely a reasonable area of concern when it comes to Blake Wheeler for a lot of fans um but um, Noah says, how dare you defend Neil Pionk? He handles the puck like a hot potato. Um, that's the other player I want to talk about. Um, lots of apparent mistakes. And I think it was Garrett Hole on Twitter um, identified he had something like seven defensive zone turnovers or something tonight, which is ridiculous. Um, I The motivation is there for Neil Pionk. He's working hard out there. But man, oh man, the misreads and the miscues in the defensive zone are starting to get... Not starting to. Who am I kidding at this point? They, they're, they're alarming, and they have been for a good chunk of this season so far. I just, I'm very interested in this player. I find that he's very, he's just a really interesting, I almost want to call him an enigma. Honestly, he is. Neil Pionk is an enigma. I just, every time I watch him, I'm just like, wow, you you amaze me. And, and not in a good way for the most part. Um, but Neil Pionk, uh, back on the first power play unit, of course, with uh, Josh Morrissey being out. Um, I just think that his puck management is weak. And I think that that's something that um, needs to get better in order for him to maintain the role that he's in. But that's not going to get better over the course of a couple games, over the course of a couple months and all those kinds of things. So the correct answer is to reduce the role. You can't have a player playing like that in the role that he's in. There are a lot of players that are worse than Neil Pionk, and there are a lot of players who play less than Neil Pionk. And that's kind of how you're supposed to manage those players who who come up with you know, the, these errors, who make these errors and all those kinds of things, you just load manage them a little bit better and they, they can be effective in different areas. We talked about, we, we've talked about this with Blake Wheeler for years about how he's not a bad hockey player by any means, but if you were to load manage him a little bit better, um, play him less minutes so that he doesn't get so worn out and also match him against the lines that aren't so quick on the puck that don't tighten up those passing seams as much as some other lines do. Like, you'd have a more effective player and that's 100% what needs to happen with Neil Pionk as well? Like I think it's at this point, it's it's a make or break for this team because you can't have him continuing to play in the same role that he's playing in. Obviously, right now with Josh Morrissey being hurt, things are a bit different. I must say, Dylan Sandberg and Dylan DeBello, um, Chef's Kiss, I love. Um, I love them a lot as a temporary solution with with Josh Morrissey being gone. Um, 
I mean, I'm curious for those of you who are listening in the chat, um, what you thought of some of those defensive pairings tonight. I'm going to drink some water and cough my lungs out for like two seconds. And I'll be right back. Holy cow. Okay, anyway, so I thought that uh, I really liked the Dylan Sandberg and Dylan DeMello pairing. I really liked Dylan Sandberg's game in the last couple of months. I think he's been really fantastic. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the weirdness that was that first goal. Um, it was so funny. I was on my couch, and, you know, I don't really scream and yell during hockey games. I rarely cheer or anything like that, like, especially when I know I have game over coming up afterwards because I'm like, I need to watch what's going on, I need to figure out what's going on, I need to pay attention to all these little things and whatnot, and I'm not really in my fan mood, I'm in my, this is my job and I need to know what's going on mood, um, but today, <laughs> that play was so weird, um, so I was watching the TSN3 broadcast as I often do, um, I don't subscribe to like Sportsnet or TSN or foreign broadcasts or anything like that, so I always just watch the local one or whatever's on cable, um, and <laughs> So obviously we saw um, Dylan Sandberg lay a hit on Jordan Martinuk, and the way that the camera angles on TSN three were going, I was like, "Oh, this play has been called down." But then they switched the camera back to the live play, and I was like, "Oh, is this a replay showing what's going on?" And I was like, "Hold on, no, this is still live," and I was so confused. And then Dylan DeMello scores, so I freak out, obviously, because if there's anything about me, I'm going to freak out when Dylan DeMello scores a hockey goal. I love that man so much. So it was so funny because I was so confused. And then I, but the, the cheering was also a little bit short lived. Cause I'm like, can you explain like what just happened here? Like, obviously I saw the hit and I saw the scrum and all those kinds of things, but I was like, what? Like there was just so much that I was a, a little bit all over the place on. And I think for those of you who are, who are live right now, clean hit, obviously. Like, I think that that's the kind of hit, um, that, you know, players will react to, especially when you see a player lumber off like that, especially when you see, does Jordan Martinick still have an A? I feel like he was put on like waivers earlier, like last year or something. I don't know. He did have an alternate captain, you know, patch at one point in his career. So um, obviously very important to this Carolina Hurricanes team. So they're all freaking out. But like, play the game until the whistle goes, man. Like, I have always found that to be very interesting. And, you know, I, I've played sports. I understand when you get heated, when you see when your player's down like that and all those kinds of things. But, like, the hockey game's still going on. And if you let them go on an odd man rush like that, like, that that's not ideal. So wait till the whistle blows and then go after Dylan Semberg if you want to. I understand the sentiment there. It was just kind of, kind of absurd. And then, obviously... Um, Dylan Sandberg had to answer the bell later on in the, in the period or even the next period or whatever it was, which I hate. Um, because I understand, again, from the Carolina Hurricanes perspective, you do what you, that's what you do. That That's how this game works. And that's how it works when you're emotional about these things and you want someone to pay for injuring someone or at least partially injuring them for a quick moment and all those different kinds of things. Um, but it's, it's frustrating when Josh Morrissey is out and Dylan Sandberg has taken on this really important role and he has to fight. He has no choice but to fight. And then he's taken out of the game for five minutes. It's like, man, this sucks. Like, we need this guy. And obviously, like, it, it's just hard because he didn't do anything wrong. And then now, it would have been better if he had gotten a two-minute penalty at the time, been off for two minutes, and then that would have been it. That would have been all. But no, he has to wait and get attacked and then uh, win the fight in my opinion, um, and then sit for five minutes. It's like, ugh, this is so annoying. And those kinds of things, you know, kind of irritate me. But I thought all in all, Dylan Summer had a good night tonight. Um, he's one player that I can definitely admit that I was wrong about. 
early on in the year after training camp. Obviously, everyone knows that I'm a huge Villahanola fan, and this was a big thing at training camp this year. It's like, is it going to be Logan Stanley, Villahanola, or Dylan Sandberg? And I thought that Villy didn't have like the greatest camp in the world, so I was like a little bit disappointed. So I was like, oh, I guess it's going to be Logan Stanley. But I was thrilled for Dylan Sandberg, but I was like, I think we've seen what we're going to see from this player. I don't think he has much of a higher ceiling than what we're seeing right now. So I think we're like kind of capped out on what we're going to get from Dylan Sandberg. And so I wasn't overly keen on him, but especially in the last couple of months, like I've, I've been very wrong and I'm very happy to have been wrong. I think this player is continuing to get better every single game. I think there was one play in particular tonight that I thought um, was a great uh, indicator of that where he gets the puck on the blue line and has a little bit, there's a little bit of pressure he has to take there. Um, and he makes a deep like a foot off to the side of the net pass to a player as opposed to just a flub point shot to get rid of the puck because he's under pressure and those are the things that I used to get frustrated about him with Uh, not that he was overly shot heavy or anything like that but I just didn't think that he was making the most strategic offensive plays all the time Um, which I think is something that the Winnipeg Jets need from their defenders because of how little creativity I find that there is with most of their lines um at five on five and I think that's something he's definitely gotten better at and to me it, it makes him look more promising in a little bit of a top six role so I'm gonna um look at some of the things in the chat here um Noah says that um Rick Bonus makes it sound like Josh Morrissey will be playing on Thursday which is definitely very encouraging um that being said as always with my philosophy and all those kinds of things if he's not 100 percent, don't play him yet let him heal let him get his injury under control because the last thing I want is for him to come back two or three games early and then worsen the injury right so hopefully he's actually well I know he was taking line rushes earlier today so that's definitely a good sign um maybe Yoda wants them to start moving up Samberg because he's really good I definitely agree um I think that um him getting a chance tonight um, I don't know if he's been playing in that role since Morrissey's injury or not, but I think it's the right call. Don't play Neil Pionk more. Um, Kyle Capobianco, I actually didn't mind tonight. I thought he was pretty good. Um, I, I didn't, you know, he's he's, a, he's an eighth defenseman or whatever he is, right? Like, it's not like you're expecting anything crazy or fantastic, but when they put him out at the end tonight after Blake Wheeler's penalty, like, I wasn't mad about it. Like, I actually was okay with a lot of what he was creating tonight, so I don't mind Cal Capabianco, and I think I actually saw someone in the chat. Yeah, Baby Yoda says, I'd play number 77 over Pionk. Hey, man, like, honestly, at this point, like, Cal Capabianco, every time he stepped into the lineup, I personally haven't disliked him as much as some other people have. I've been okay with him. I I don't mind him, and I've gotten what I've expected from a seventh defenseman, and all I want from players when they're in those kinds of roles is to come on the ice and not be a net negative. And I think, generally speaking, for what he gives up i i don't think Cal Capabianco is a net negative so that that's pretty fantastic um i am just looking at a couple things um oh ben huffman says that martinick has an a for road games makes sense so he didn't tonight so why did you guys go crazy like that just kidding um but uh um brandon says cadence fans definitely thought interference or a knee could have been called i say more incidental but still knee on knee at the blue line wasn't great luckily no one is hurt in the end yeah absolutely i didn't it didn't like maybe i'll have to watch the replay later because it looked more hippish to me than knee on knee because i feel like the nhl does actually like a decent job of calling those knee on knee calls when they see them just because of how dangerous they are um but maybe i'm off on that like maybe it was but definitely i understand like especially if you're a fan like if i was a fan in that rank i would have been screwing my head off too like i'm definitely not um, you know, going after any of them for reacting the way they did. Um, it's just definitely a very unfortunate situation for them to, like, 
have a goal scored on them when they all got a little bit bent out of shape about something um, before a whistle was called and whatnot. So um, that's kind of what I generally wanted to talk about there. Um, but obviously I ragged on Kyle Connor in the top six a little bit earlier on in this show, but I want to talk a little bit about the bottom six just to kind of round out the end of the show because obviously negative Nancy over here. I just love talking about how much I dislike the Winnipeg Jets sometimes, <laughs> but I actually have been really liking the top or the bottom six, pardon me, as of late. And I know that Sacramento Landon is everyone's least favorite guy on Twitter. Um, but I thought all of the guys in the bottom six tonight actually looked quite good. Um, Morgan Barron, I know, has been playing some of his best hockey as of late. And, you know, obviously we never want to focus too, too much on isolated events to paint a big picture about a player's story because they play, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes a night and all those kinds of things. So you want to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but that assist that he had on the Nino Niederreiter goal, um, to me, is just a really good example. And it illustrates pretty well a lot of what he's been doing lately, just workhorsing and utilizing his size. Rachel Dory and I talked about this in the San Jose game on the show for quite some time because I always have to be careful about saying using your size because the last thing I want is for people to think that I mean just laying a bunch of hits because that's never what I mean. I never want players to lay more hits. Earlier in the game, Vlad Nemesikov, oh, Seth Jarvis had the puck on the blue line and Nemesikov comes up and like Seth Jarvis barely had control of the puck. It was like three feet away from him and he's like kind of reaching and fumbling. Nemesikov comes hits him. I was like, girl, the puck's right there. And Jarvis just kind of like gets out of the hit and just moves the puck forward. And all of a sudden, Nemesikov's out of the play and there was no turnover created. I like Nemesikov. I think he's been really good lately, but ugh, I hate hitting sometimes because I think it's such a lazy way of managing the puck when you don't have it. And it rarely, rarely creates the kinds of turnovers that players want it to. So that's why I get frustrated. And that's why I have to be careful about saying, use your size, because that's not what I mean. However, Morgan Marin is a large guy. And I think when he drives the net like that, he's pushing through players and lays on players and rubs them out a little bit. It's really, really good um, for helping create that possession because it makes it a little bit more difficult for the defending team to manage things. It's very difficult when you have just a stick coming at you. It's a little bit easier to feel where the threats are coming from. But if you have the player's stick and they're using their stick effectively and they're also, you know, using their body effectively to rub you out and make sure that your body positioning makes it more difficult for you to make the right play, it's really effective, and I think that Morgan Barron has been doing a better job of that as of late. I like his line combination. I think he's been good. Nemesikov obviously isn't a long-term solution in the top six, and I think he's been fine in his role um, having to cover for Dubois' injury and all those kinds of things. Um, but I think with Morgan Barron playing as well as he's been playing and Nemesikov playing well as well, um, I think I feel really good about this Jets' bottom six. And I think David Gustafson's return to the lineup has been a really nice breath of fresh air for this Jets team. Um, I love David Gustafson. I think everyone knows that about me as well. I think he's a really fantastic hockey player um, who is extremely reliable and it has a lot of upside in a lot of different areas. I think he's a little bit more offensive creative or creative offensively, pardon me, than we give him credit for. I think he's extremely defensively responsible, but not in a way, again, that means laying hits and blocking shots. Like I think his puck management is extremely good. Um, so I'm really happy to see him back in the lineup. And I think that he's been very good. Um, Kevin Sinlin to me today didn't have like his best game that I've ever seen from him but it was still like a fine game because I I really liked what I've seen from Kevin Stenland in the last little bit 
And I think that that player brings a lot to this bottom six. And I'm glad that he's been a player that um, has gotten a little bit of a leash and hasn't been bounced out of the lineup as much as guys like Sam Gagne have and stuff. Because I think that uh, Kevin Sundlin is really fantastic. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of close off the show, um, I always love to bring up my favorite Twitter account follow. If you are a Winnipeg Jets fan and you're listening to this and you don't follow Winnipeg Chief on Twitter, um, you're silly, you're crazy, you're missing out big time because he always uh, shares some great heat maps after the games and showing those shot maps of where all the threats came from and also some of my favorites he always gives like a three line summary of every single line from the game um, so I always like to test my knowledge I'm like ooh, let's see how what I'm saying stacks up against Winnipeg Chief and from his tweets from tonight's game um, agrees with me that uh, Connor and Shifu were extremely poor um, and that uh, Nikolai Ehlers looked pretty good, and that um, Blake Wheeler kind of redeemed himself later in the game. Um, he thinks that the bottom six was both, both of the lines are fine. Um, I think fine is pretty much all I really want from those bottom six guys uh, at this point. I think that the last thing I want is for them to, to overcorrect and, and start being defensive liabilities because they're trying to create too much offensively. Obviously, we saw in that first goal, yeah, the first goal I want to say tonight when when Brendan Dillon had to make his stretch exit pass and Cal Connor was already cheating up and and Dillon had to make the pass and then he missed because um, Cal Connor was way up there. You know, I don't want my bottom six cheating to for offense. I don't want my bottom six uh, overcorrecting in a lot of those areas. So I think they were okay. Um, like I think they were good. Um, maybe not obviously the most analytically darling players and, and lines in the world, but I, I liked a lot of what I saw from them, and I think that they're all trending in relatively positive directions. Someone like Metalina, I thought, played a better game, generally speaking, tonight. Um, maybe it's still not the best that there is in the world, but I'll take a better game over a bad game so hopefully they're all trending in the right direction because obviously Boston is going to be a huge challenge on Thursday um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the Jets come back and manage um, maybe a couple players coming back from injury maybe a couple of players um, getting a talking to tonight after the performance and all those kinds of things I don't need to keep naming their names uh, but it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out um, in Thursday's matchup as we continue on this East Coast um, that's a lie Thursday's game might be at home it's definitely at home I guess I just thought it was I have no idea what's going on, guys. I've been completely out of it for the last couple of weeks, so I'm definitely back and all in now and going to be paying a lot more attention, especially to some of the other games going on across the division, as obviously, um, as it stands, the uh, Central Division playoff race has Dallas, Minnesota, and Colorado in those one, two, three spots in the division, but it's really anyone's game at this point, and whoever takes the rest of the season and dominates um, will easily be able to secure some positive positioning in there. So it'll be really interesting to see how the next couple of games and weeks shake out for the Winnipeg Jets. I think their trade deadline acquisitions are continuing to play okay for them and, and be um, positive ads. So it's just a matter of making sure that all the other players are continuing to trend in the right direction as well and continue to win hockey games, if I may. So I think that uh, they, after the Florida road trip, they're in um, a couple of their players are in decent position. I think that there's some momentum that's developing. So um, I feel good about a couple of things with this team. Obviously, the pain points that exist um, have been continuous pain points throughout. So it is frustrating and alarming when those pain points don't, you know, get absolved or, or resolved or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see how the next little bit goes. But um, Brady and I will be back with you um, with game over games for every single Jets game, of course, for the rest of the season. Brady will 
will be with you on Thursday and I'll be with you for the back-to-back this weekend so it'll be really fun uh, so make sure you check out Brady and I on Twitter of course my handle is at l-y-s-s-h-o-u-d-e so that's atlas hood brady you can always find at nhl chunky uh and you can find both of us tweeting uh anything and everything about the jets make sure you follow sdpn um on twitter as well they have a lot of content coming out and make sure you're subscribed on youtube for those of you who are in the chat with me live tonight thank you very much for tuning in i apologize that i sound like i just ate a bunch of gravel um but hopefully that you know resolves itself before the weekend shows and i'll join you in full health and we'll have lots to talk about this weekend so thank you so much everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.